This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try, and he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello, we are on the ball with myself, Cam Ruslan, and our three magnificent pundits who are, well, let's start with Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. And Gogolin. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Uh, welcome to you, Gogolin. And finally, we have uh, live via satellite from a beach in Thailand. He is Des Corkill. But suffering for my cause, suffering for the art, but enjoying Liverpool's stupid April. Incredible. Looking forward to the weekend. Uh, great. And uh, today we've got a packed program. We're going to be doing Champions League, um, then Europa League, and your Conference League, and the Europa Vars, whatever. We, I think we, there are more leagues, I'm sure. Finally, uh, Premier League predictions and, um, and simulation football. So let's start with the Champions League round that was played this week. And there were some pretty good matches, actually. Uh, I would like to start with you, Gogolin, and I'd like to start with Chelsea 1, Real Madrid 3. And I think what struck surely all of us was that Karim Benzema, who is now 34 years old, who seems to have been around forever, is in an incredibly rich vein of form. Yes, I think we can all agree on Benzema's revival, you know, uh, single-handedly carrying the team. But it was a team effort. You know, Madrid have been in a bit of a... Uh, I wouldn't say a dogged slum, but yeah, a bit of a slum after the Barca, El Clasico and all that, and the critics were on their back and all that. This is a good way to answer Chelsea away at the bridge. You know, a, a commanding performance. I'm very, very, very surprised by Chelsea's performance, to be fair. I mean, after that Brentford game, I thought they would come back and, you know, put down a marker, but, you know, they seem to have uh, rolled over. You know. I'm really uh, flabbergasted in the Chelsea's performance, to be fair, under Tuchel, especially in the Champions League stage in a quarterfinals at home. Actually, let's let's dwell on Chelsea for a little bit longer because yeah, the the, the form has really dropped. I know this is tram- Champions League, this is not uh, Premier League, but they're in second spot, sorry, third spot in the Premier League now, which looks really nailed on. But there's a possibility that they could uh, drop out of the top four. Uh, Bob, do you think that could possibly happen? And what's going on at Chelsea? Uh, well, unlikely. I think it's unlikely. But uh, I mean, they've got uh, five more points than uh, Spurs and they've got a game in hand so I think this is a a temporary blip what's going on well there's an awful lot going on behind the scenes Um, bidding for the club and and all that various billionaires mostly owning American sports franchises the dreaded word Um, jostling for for, uh, position there but uh, In the first five games since the news broke that Abramovich would be selling the club, um, Chelsea breezed through their matches, winning all five. And it looked like Tuchel was handling this uh, very, very well indeed. And the players went about it in in a very professional way. And then suddenly they came up against Brentford and Real Madrid. I mean, imagine that as a double act. And... uh, I mean, Brentford thrashed them, didn't they? Never mind Real Madrid. So it's it's a bit odd uh, for any in-depth analysis. I mean, they've played better against better Premier League teams, but they were undone by, I think, partly their own uh, couple of mistakes, bad mistakes, and an absolutely 
inspired performance by Karim Benzema, as as we referred to earlier. I mean, this guy has been in unbelievable form ever since Cristiano Ronaldo left. <laughs> and you have to think this isn't a coincidence. I mean, uh, we know a lot of us never really thought he was that good. And I don't think many of the Real Madrid fans thought he was that good because he, he didn't seem to score that many, not quite enough for a for an out-and-out striker. But my God, what he's doing now and the quality of the goals, those two headers, different types of headers, but both requiring incredible balance and uh, contortions from the neck muscles to generate the power in one of them. Absolutely fantastic headers. I mean, two of the goals of the season, I would say. And the other one, the, the one that completed his hat trick, shows what a sniffer of goals he really is. And this reminded me a bit of the infamous Carrius incident in the Champions League final. Carrius got all the blame. Well, he deserved about 97% of it. But you've got to give a little bit of credit to Benzema for being there, sniffing out the opportunity and and uh, putting it in the back of the net. And he did that against uh, PSG recently, a, a, a similar goal to the one he scored uh, with Edouard uh, Mendy and uh, Rudiger um, uh, cock-up. Um, I think Rudiger deserves a bit of blame for that too. I mean, primarily it was Mendy, but Rudiger went in the wrong way he tackled with his left foot. If he'd gone in with his right foot, I think he would have got the ball and the danger would have been cleared. But all credit to Benzema for sniffing that one out, persisting in what might have been a lost cause and putting it in the back of the net. So this, this is phenomenal. And I think Real Madrid themselves are absolutely gobsmacked by this transformation in a 34-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, and just I remember that I mean, Modric. I don't know if he's on the pitch, but he's thirty-six. So there must be something in the water in uh, Madrid. Um, perhaps the likes of us could get a spot in the uh, Real Madrid squad. <laughs> Des is on the team sheet sometimes. Yeah, because if you're old enough, you're good enough. And uh, Des, I got a choice of keeping you away from the Liverpool match or keeping you away from the Atletico Madrid match. And I'm going to keep you away from Atletico Madrid. So Liverpool, Benfica one, Liverpool three. Uh, my notes say Liverpool are very good. Liverpool played really, really well for, for 70 minutes. Um, I, I think um, supporters of my generation would uh, remember going to Benfica and winning at Benfica was an astonishing achievement. Um, and now with this Liverpool team or this Jurgen Klopp team, you take such things as ex- as as. You know, oh, that, that, yeah, they won, a, they won a Benfica. We've just got to remember what an astonishing performance this is. 3-1 at the Stadium of Light against the team who are very, very strong at home. And they did it, you know, um, despite giving um, Nunes, uh, Darwin Nunes a goal at the start of the second half. They did in comprehensive fashion. They scored three. They could, maybe should have had more. Uh, the only slight downer is that um, with, with the away goals rule not now counting, the game is still slightly open if Benfica score first at Anfield. But that's that's a rule change. But Liverpool, at the start of this stupidly crazy, difficult month that they've got for them, what a way to, to actually um, boost yourselves before the, the Manchester City games and virtually assure yourself a place in the semi-finals, barring a catastrophe. 
it, I just thought it was a, a wonderful performance. And Diaz scoring at the end was um, just the, the, the icing on the top of the cake. First class performance right the way through. And he was able to rotate players. Naby Keita got a start. People, not me, people have been writing off Naby Keita for a long time. He's come in. He's done a fabulous job. Liverpool have got 20 to 23 players who are capable of stepping in at any scenario and providing uh, top-level service. It, I, I'm, I'm just blown away by how comfortable this was. So there you have it. Plucky underdog Liverpool um, managed to beat uh, mighty Benfica, according to Des's recollection. Mighty Benfica are a mighty club. Uh, Wait, that, yeah, I'm going back a bit. We're going back a bit. No, they're, 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 what, they're state back for heaven. It was the easiest tie of the lot. Let's, let's, all, let's all be clear. <laughs> that, but this, this, this is my point. This is my point. Benfica are one of the... They're on the second level, and Liverpool made this consummately easy. That's the, that's the scale of what they're achieving. Okay, well, let's look at the first level, Gogolin. Manchester City. Manchester City won. Atletico Madrid nil. Not a... Uh, not a breathtaking match, but nonetheless, I thought there, there are people who like to watch people play a game of chess, and then there are people who like to watch Die Hard 1, 2, and 3 in one night. Um, I like to watch play, play game of chess. Atletico Madrid, uh, they set out their plan. I thought it was uh, kind of effective. They lost. But what do you think? I, I mean, I don't know what kind of football there was, but especially Asian fans to stay up and watch that game because, you know, it's like Kevin De Bruyne said, that, you know, he's never seen a team play 5-5-0. You know, formation, which is basically what uh, Simeon put out, Diego Simeon's team uh, was out there. It was a back of a, a defending, 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 you know, backs of five, backs of six against uh, the city playing around them. So it was technically, I mean, if you look at the stats and the possessions, would tell you the story of that game. And I think Atletico Madrid knew the. I don't really don't know what is the game plan sometimes, you know, because they have really good some attacking players and they have a good side, as you can see against when they played uh, United. But uh, to come up against City with that game plan was, uh, you know, I know it's Manchester City, but still, you you need to go out there and you need, I I, know, I don't know whether it's uh, playing entertaining football is a criteria, but you know you're in the Champions League, you got to give it a go and not just defend, defend, defend against City and try to hit them on the counter. They didn't even try to hit them on the counter, to be fair. So I really don't know what the game plan was. Uh, perhaps game plan is the return leg. Yeah, I, I think they've got a good chance, actually, at, at home. I really do. I think City are going to be in for one hell of a workout uh, next week. And uh, it's going to come before the uh, semi-final, FA Cup semi-final with uh, Liverpool. That could have a bearing on it. Bob, let me take you, though, to the Villarreal 1, Bayern nil. I thought the best match, actually, of the, of the four. Uh, Villarreal will probably be disappointed that they they didn't win by more. They completely outclassed uh, mighty Bayern Munich. Yeah, well, they had a chance uh, to several chances, didn't they? Um, one goal disallowed, I thought, uh, somewhat uh, controversially. Um, yeah, they could have really sewn this up. Actually, um, it's. Uh, Bayern will will fancy that they can turn it around in Munich. But um, Villarreal, they underrated them the first time. Clearly, everybody underrates Villarreal. And I think we underrate uh, Unai Emery. I really do think we we owe the guy an apology. I think um, he's obviously got something. And I think uh, at Arsenal, it didn't work. But uh, I think it was that... uh, 
coming on and saying good evening and all that. He became <laughs> a figure of fun. And no um, foreign manager or no manager who's not uh, really conversant in the in the language um, can afford that, especially if he's got a reconstruction job with a big club. And things just didn't go well for him. And he, you know, being that figure of fun, uh, it got worse. The jokes got worse. But that guy has obviously got something. And in Spain, um, I think he should just stick to Spain, perhaps, because uh, he's taken Sevilla uh, to the finals and won um, about five UEFA Cups. Uh, he's now doing similar with Villarreal, which is a smaller club. Villarreal is a small, small town. It's only about 40, 50,000 people. Um, and to do this uh, and, and really boss the game against Bayern Munich, mighty Bayern Munich, uh, he's, he's done a great job. And you look at the team and you see these uh, Premier League and even championship cast-offs playing for Villarreal. And he's getting a tune out of them. So all credit to him. I'd love to see them get through. I really would, because things are not all great at Bayern, even though they're going to win the Bundesliga. But there's trouble at Mill. So they got just the the one goal lead, uh, which which could be a problem when they go to Munich itself. But uh, we're going to move on to well the more important leagues, the Europa and the Europa Conference, in part two here on on the ball BFM eighty nine point nine. Deserves a goal, that lovely return pass from just wide. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with On the Ball, and now we move to the Europa League. And we're going to, uh, Des, look at West Ham in their first, I think this is their first European journey ever. No, no, they Cup Winners Cup final in the 70s. Oh, wow. That was, but there, that, that was before football was invented ah. with the Premier League, <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. Um, West Ham played Leon. They uh, went down to 10 men at the end of the first half, managed to score a goal, uh, but uh, Leon then pulled one back. I would say that West Ham would be very disappointed by this because they were the better team and they could have walked away with their home match with a win, but they did not. Do you think they'll be disappointed, uh, Des? Uh, after going down to 10 men through the Aaron Cresswell red card, no, I think uh, they'll, they'll be quite happy. And this is where, where the away goals rule not being part of the uh, the equation might, might well help them because they, they go in level level pegging. The Cresswell sending off was a 2021-2022 a sending off. Um, to me, it, it, it's not a red card. It's, it's a foul as a kind of coming together. And, and he the, was the last man. He was the last man. And so that, so, so yeah, you, you can say, oh, technically he's dead right, but there's got to be intent. I always feel there's got to be some kind of intent. That's what it was originally brought in for the professional foul. This is one way. He's a tad late, and uh, the, the red card to me is is um, is it, 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 it's an unwarranted punishment. Um, but it's a 2022 th- um, thing, so you have to grin and bear it and say, isn't life wonderful? Like getting five substitutes like we, we were promised wasn't going to happen. Of course, isn't life wonderful? Like getting VAR involved uh, to overturn penalties and disallow goals for the merest of, 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 of foot being offside. Isn't it wonderful? Aren't we improving things terrifically? Anyway, saying that, the 10 men of West Ham did a very David Moyes effort, um, got a good lead, a little bit of fortune through Jawad Bowen, conceded to Ndombele. Uh, Leon looked very good, actually, on the breakaway. 
nicely set up for the second leg. Hope West Ham go through because they they are now playing attractive football. But uh, gosh, uh, 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 the officiating and the rules and the pettiness is is doing my head. Mm. I, I'm not even sure he was uh, even touched. You know, that that's that exactly exactly that. There's there's no intent. He's in a chase for the ball. If he's lost it, he's lost it by a millisecond. And to get a red card for that, to me, is by the laws of the game, by your by your anorak version of this game, uh, Cam Raslan, is dead right. Yeah, but how do you prove intent uh, without going to a court of law, taking affidavits well, and getting a psychologist the reaction in? of the players, and you look at how De- and, and, and Dembele has done a little wink to the camera, and you, and you you know intent, you know when a player goes in, studs up and tries to take him the out. The referees, are, they can't. Anyway, I want to I want to ask actually, uh, uh, Des touched on it, the the away goals. Um, I've been thinking about this. I, I am glad that the away goals uh, benefit thing is gone. But do you guys miss it? Do you think the away goals is a fair thing, Gogolin? Uh, I actually thought the away goals was a, a equalizer of sorts. You know, I quite miss it. The fact that he scored a goal, especially in the in the later stages of the cup, it, it means a lot. And, you know, it adds to the excitement in the second leg when the away goals is there. So, you know. Yeah. I think that whole, the last one was the Spurs game again when they went to the Champions League final, right? They won. They went on a way goal through. Yeah. Well, they got rid of replays as well, which is also good. Anyway, we move on. Uh, Bob, I want to take you to um, Braga. Braga, another Portuguese team. Braga um, played Rangers. Braga won Rangers nil. I thought Rangers looked pretty shabby. Uh, I don't get to see Rangers very often. And I don't know. It looked like watching a championship team to me. Uh, yes, um, they didn't carry their previous form with them, did they? Uh, but all is not lost. Um, it was only one goal. And uh, I think they'll fancy uh, in front of a, a full Ibrox that they can turn it round. I don't know what happened on this occasion. They seem flat um, and they've been uh, brilliant so far in, on this uh, cup run. Been a revelation. Their domestic form hasn't. Uh, they've allowed Celtic to build up quite a lead in the Scottish Premier League. But um, as I say, they've uh, been all conquering in the um, in the conference. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd say it's 50-50, this one. The, they need this, though, because I don't think they're going to win the title. And having got this far and played such good uh, football and knocked out, they've got a few decent scalps on the way, haven't they? Um, I think they'll be very disappointed to go out to a sort of third-rate Portuguese team like Braga. Hmm. Uh, uh, well, let's rattle through the rest of the uh, Europa League. Uh, Goglin, very quickly, your team. Uh, so it's Frankfurt one, Barcelona one. I'm kind of I feel so weird, still weird saying Barcelona in Europa League, but uh, and they didn't win either. Oh well, it's still they're still unbeaten though. Yeah, but I know Ferran Torres' goal and all, but. I would have expected them to you know, the form they're in to, you know, to fight like Frankfurt. So I was a bit surprised with this. And, you know, I'm still surprised that they're in the European League, to be fair. But, it, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I think they're doing well there. It's, uh, it's again, uh, well, we're going to touch on Barcelona. You have to understand we're in a transitional stage of it now with Zabi era. He's trying to lay down his marker, do the whole pep thing, you know, set it up straight for that. It's going to be his team and all that. So it's going to it's going to take a while. But it's Barcelona being Barcelona, they will be back in the big, Big Boys League in a while. Soon. Well, uh, also there was uh, Leipzig 1, Atalanta 1. Everyone's favourite, Atalanta, back in last season. But, uh, Des, we're not going to talk about them. We're going to move to the big one. 
the Europa Conference. And uh, the most exciting match I've ever seen, uh, not. Leicester, nil. PSV, nil. Um, yeah, I mean... I think I I think Leicester and PSV they're they're of a similar caliber. Perhaps they just cancelled each other out. Uh, but both both tried to win this. Leicester created um, some good attacking opportunities. Janetcho went close a couple of times. Harvey Barnes had a wonderful effort against the bar. Um, uh, PSV are uh, previous European Cup winners in the past when 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 smaller teams were allowed to compete at the top level. The bubble know that. Um, so they, they went, not they so went small, Des, not so small. <laughs> but I, I was particularly excited to see uh, there's a lad called Cody Gakpo um, playing for PSV Eindhoven, who I've been kind of keeping an eye on for a couple of years. I saw him just on one of those highlight reels that you saw, and he looks a really exciting player. Quick, tricky, takes players on. Uh, he might be one of the next big moves, which, which tells you that this um, was a, a good game between two emerging teams um, for Leicester. If they were to make it to the, to the semifinals, they're going to have to win in Eindhoven, which is no, no easy deal because PSV, they've got this pedigree. They've got quality in the likes of Gakpo and uh, Zahavi, who's been go, going around for a long, long time as well. Beautifully poised, beautifully poised. I hope for Brendan Rodgers' sake, Leicester do force, um, push this forward and can, can win the second leg next week. They've got Fofana and Johnny Evans back in defence. They look more secure defensively. Um, so it could be a reasonable run-in for Leicester after what's been a difficult season for them. I wonder if uh, it makes a difference that PSV have a European heritage, a European lineage in their experiences, whereas for Leicester, it's, uh, it's a fairly stop-start occasional experience that they haven't really done too well in. Uh, Bob, do you think that it makes a difference? Uh, I think in this case, not really, because it's just too... Uh, I mean, PSG, it's too long ago. I mean, some of the uh, these guys playing now wouldn't have even been born when PSV uh, actually won the um, European Your parents Cup. wouldn't have been born. No, no. <laughs> so, I mean, if it's, a, if it's a, a bigger club like Liverpool or MU or somebody, then perhaps because, you know, it's instilled in everybody that they, they are supposed to win these kind of trophies. But uh, with the smaller teams, as Des calls them, uh, having gone two generations without winning, then I would say no. I don't think that PSV would have gained anything from their history that, that Leicester didn't have. Right. I'm going to rattle through the rest of the results here. There's uh, Marseille 2, P-A-O-K, Thessalonica 1, uh, Final 3, Slavia Prague 3. But the, the match that really caught my eye, actually, the result that caught my eye was Bude Glimt of Norway, third place in the Norwegian League. Bude Glimt, I think I bought their second album. Two, Roma <laughs> one. And uh, the town of Bude is north of the Arctic Circle, has a population of 52,000, and Stadio Olimpico in Rome has a capacity of 72,000. And Bude one, two, one. So good for them. We will move on, though, to the one that I think everyone here is itching to talk about, which is the upcoming uh, Premier League match between Man City and Liverpool. And this is, very, this is a very, very crucial match for points. Um, there's one point, I think, right now between the two of them. Gogolin, I go to you as a neutral first. Uh, how do you see this one going? 
Uh, I think the form team right now is Liverpool, right? So yes, I I, w- I would put my if I was a betting man, I'll put money on Liverpool right now of this game. They're super pumped up for the for the title. Actually, you know, they are, the running is there. They know what they have to do. It's always the chasing team that has the benefit, you know. For do throughout the years, it's the mental strength you need to st- stave off the challenges. That is the true hallmark of a champion championship run, a championship run, a champion. So I personally don't think City are. Uh, this city side have that quality right now and Liverpool uh, have like Des were alluding and Bob alluded to in a couple of shows before the depth that they have in every part of the pitch which was uh, missing the last time they won it which was in um, a pandemic so if uh, I would personally think Liverpool have the edge in this encounter uh, not sure what uh, lack of form you're pointing to with Man City um I know you, you've talked, you're the one who's always been talking about the blips, but um, winning matches, is that a blip? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't say lack of form. I just say that the, the, top, the, the form that Liverpool are in and is better. It's better. I would, they would age it. All right. Des, are you feeling anxious? Because if Liverpool lose this match, it, this is the title, title determining match, is it not? Yes. And Manchester City is running if you look uh, in theory, is, is so much easier. Liverpool have got Manchester United, Tottenham to, to come, Everton, uh, who'll be scrapping for everything, Aston Villa and Wolves. That's a really, really hard running. So I think if Liverpool lose this, it's out. Um, the, the title is gone. Even if they draw it, I don't think they're the favourites. They've got to get their nose in front. And with that in mind, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit petrified because Manchester City are able to pick you off. If you commit too many resources forward, even if you've got the wondrous Van Dijk and Matip together, you can be picked off by this Manchester City side. So I, I am a, a little bit concerned that if Liverpool concede the first goal and then have to go chasing the game, it could actually turn into being being um, a bit one-sided. I, the first goal in any game is so, so important. In this game, even more so. Uh, if Liverpool score it, Liverpool to go and, and, and take the win. If Manchester City score it, this to be a two or three for Manchester City and the title just about over. I think it's that that pivotal uh, to, the, to the championship. Which season. way do you think it's going to go, though? I, I'm, cons- I, I'm worried. I, I think Manchester City are going to pip this. I'm worried. Mm. Okay. And uh, Bob, I cannot turn to you. We, we, we must move on. We've got to run out of time for this part. But in a moment, we'll be talking about more Premier League predictions here on On The Ball. BFM 89.9. What about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end? On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with On the Ball with Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, Gogolin, and myself, Cam Rustland. And Bob uh, is determined to have some words about the big match, the Man City-Liverpool match. Uh, Bob, which way do you think it's going to go? Ooh, it's on a knife edge, isn't it? Um, I think that... Uh, City can also be cut open. I mean, Des was talking about Liverpool's uh, vulnerability um, on the counter. But uh, City also, and they're not likely to have uh, uh, Ruben Diaz playing. It looks like John Stones will have to partner um, Emerick Laporte. And that's, I think that's a bit of a plus for Liverpool. Liverpool have, I think, the best long-range passer in the game right now in Trent Alexander-Arnold. He may not be the greatest defender, but my God, what what a long ball he can put in. I mean, you saw it against Benfica. So I think that 
you know, there's a bit of don't write Liverpool off there and the counter attack. But another thing I'd just like to bring up, the teams meet again a week later, six days later in the, in the FA Cup semi-final. And they could meet again in the Champions League. And I think this logjam of fixtures and I think me, these other games may have a bearing on the out and on the um, title. I think if City win, perhaps not. I think City will definitely have a clear advantage. But if Liverpool win and Liverpool have the tougher programme and they've got to, uh, everybody's got to play all these other games and even the game, uh, even the return leg that City have got in Madrid on Wednesday, I know it's after this game, but it's before the FA Cup semi-final. They could get a real going over there at the hands of Atletico Madrid. And that could uh, that could upset them for the FA Cup semi-final. And the two could meet again in the final of the Champions League. So there's a lot at stake here. And they could end up meeting. This could be the first of a trilogy of games. Uh, that's pretty mouth-watering, isn't it? And I wouldn't I wouldn't like to say who will come out on top. Oh. Meeting that often, that's that's like the old firm derby up in Glasgow. They they engineer that so the two teams meet what fifty times a season. Yeah, but that's in the league. This is in <laughs> this is in three different tournaments. That, that, that is true. That is true. Okay, uh, my money's on. By the way, Liverpool losing rather badly. Um, <laughs> bless you, old son. Bless you. I'm not saying I want that to happen. Yes, you are. No, not at all. Not at all. No, I I base that on the fact that the Champions League. Watching the Champions League match, they can get cut open. Liverpool have to win this match. They will play forwards and Man City do not have to play forwards and they can just pick them off. So, Is that the summary of all we just chatted about, mate? Um, <laughs> I think I added an extra. Yes, I, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Des, I want to talk about uh, Arsenal. Uh, they're going to be playing uh, Brighton, Arsenal-Brighton on Saturday. But uh, with reference also to a match that happened earlier in the week where... Crystal Palace beat Arsenal very convincingly. And it was an important match for all the matches are important by the time of the season. But uh, they could really have been clinching the fourth spot. But um, Crystal Palace, wow, they really thrashed them. Yeah, um, all the talk has been about how poor Arsenal were in that particular game. But we've been talking Palace up all season after initially saying that they were relegation material. They, they, Vieira, Patrick Vieira has got them playing some really aggressive football. And the one thing Arsenal do seem to struggle at is somebody who gets in your faces. Brighton will be a, a lot easier for them because um, Brighton have, have, are on the beach, as we've been saying for a while. Uh, they've only scored one goal in the last seven. But it's bubbling up into a beautiful battle for, I do think, top three. I think if Chelsea stutter one more time, they are vulnerable to both Arsenal and Chelsea for a top four slot. Uh, it, it's a, it is a five-point lead, but there, something something is going on behind the scenes that's having an impact on the on the pitch itself. Even N'Golo Kante was second best, and I'm, I'm there's no bigger fan of N'Golo Kante than me. So I, I, I do think that that battle for um, the top three is still there. Arsenal have still got to meet Tottenham. Uh, Arsenal have got a game in hand, but they've still got to meet Tottenham in the last but one game of the season. So for all the teams, um, Arsenal cannot afford to be bullied by uh, a Brighton team. They cannot afford to drop points. 
And similarly, Tottenham have just got to carry on their trailblazing form of, of, of recent times as well. So um, I can see Arsenal winning this one, but it's building up towards a wonderful uh, North London derby in the uh, last game, but one of the season. But uh, I've got to ask you this, guess. What do you think of the, uh, the I mean, the Arsenal Palace game? Was, a, was that a blip or was that just a, you know, because, you know, everybody thought with the form that Arsenal are in, and, you know, right now they are the bang on for the fourth spot with the games in hand. I think it just showed the vulnerability that they've got. They're a lovely passing team, but if you get in their faces, if you if you're physical to them and and have the skills of Conor Gallagher and the pace of uh, Zaha and um, uh, Matete up front, then you can cause them problems. Um, so I, I don't think it was a blip. I just think it's part of this learning curve. I'm I'm, I'm thrilled Arsenal have kept with Arteta. I'm thrilled they're semi thriving without Aubameyang because it proves that you've got to stick with your coach first. Um, but tell you what, it is it is a little bit scary for Arsenal fans this run into the season. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of being on the beach, um, Aston Villa are on the beach in the middle of the country. Are they not, <laughs> Goglin? And uh, Spurs. Spurs did very well last time out. Uh, thrashed their opposition. Surely that means this time they're going to lose 5-0. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, Spurs have uh, turned the corner around and they know what, what is in their sights at the moment. Conte with his mind games and saying that uh, I think there was an article out there saying that United are actually bangs on <laughs> favourites for fourth in Spurs and you know, Arsenal. But you know, with Conte there as a manager again, you have to also trust the process. You think about Arteta there, or Conte has always been, you know, he has he has a plan. And with a team like Spurs, you you uh, they are fighting for fourth Villa. I, I don't know what they're fighting for again. The Wolves game, Villa seem to be a team of uh, uh, two halves. You know, the, the first half they don't show up, and they only show up in the second half. So if it was the team, if we played for forty five minutes, we'd be top half of the table. It's 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 sad to see, but uh, you know we've got to trust the manager. I'm not for once for getting rid of managers fast and all that, and I'm I'm one for all for trusting the process. And Gerard seems to have a process. I will I will back him if he's my manager. He's our manager. Are we? I'm not allowed to say that anymore. No, no. cannot. Can I, I'm about to press the button, <laughs> and you were going to get dumped into a, a shark infested pool. Yes, thank, thankfully I caught myself in time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you got to trust the Villa manager. So yes, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would pretty much take Spurs on this one. But having said that, Goglan, as an Aston Villa fan, at this point in the season, you're you are feeling, and this is quite a strange thing, strange sensation. You you must be feeling quite confident and relaxed, and sort of like just generally happy. <laughs> so I saw where you're going with this t- digs that you got in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but seriously. Well, yeah, I mean, I, but, but I expect a bit more with the squad we have. I mean, I've, I've got to ask you guys, you know, you uh, objectively look at the Villa squad, the young English squad, actually, come to think of it, and with a uh, uh, fine-tuned by Coutinho and all that. So on, on paper, we have a really good squad. It's just that I want to see them click a bit more. Uh, out-and-out score, goal scorer is what we're missing, I think. Watkins is there. He's, he's our out-and-out goal scorer, but we need really, really to score lots more goals. And, you know, Mings goes on his walkabouts half the time. So, yes, I would I expected a bit more. to be I expected to be where... Leicester Wolves are right now, you know. Hmm. He said we, so. You did refer to the I did, I did. I asked you as an Aston Villa fan, so, so you, you get clemency on this occasion. Uh, Bob Holmes, uh, straight or another team that's on the beach, I think Southampton, I mean, they, Southampton is on the beach, uh, versus Chelsea. Chelsea, we've mentioned already, in trouble. Dennis has just intimated that not only could he thinks that Chelsea could lose the third spot, I think he was suggesting they could lose the fourth spot. Uh, do you do you see, 
I mean, Southampton can, can come up with some great results. Do you see that happening on this occasion? Uh, no. I think uh, Thomas Tuchel will sort them out. Uh, I think they're way above uh, Southampton's class. And as you say, they're on the beach. They've got nothing to play for. They're safe. They've got no European ambitions. Um, Chelsea will just have to watch the uh, set pieces because uh, James Ward-Prowse, he's probably the best um, free-kick taker in the country right now. Um, I mean, he's been popping them in from all all over the place, hasn't he? So, uh, But that's about the only way Southampton, you can see Southampton scoring, actually. Um, I can't. I can't see after defeats, home defeats to Brentford and Real Madrid. I can't see that Chelsea will be as disorganised at the back again, and they're playing against a team that's got nothing to play for. So I, I think uh, Chelsea will get through this uh, fairly comfortably. I would imagine that, um, regardless of who the owner is, their contracts, the players' contracts, will be honoured ongoing whatever wages they're on now next season they'll be on the same wage they're in no they, they wouldn't be in a they wouldn't be thinking about these aspects would they bob no no um the contracts are watertight um unless the the club actually goes bust um well that's not going to happen i mean you're talking about multi-billionaires taking over i mean some of these people are just about as rich as abramovich and uh, a couple of them are fans, or at least they're, le- they're front men and purport to be fans, Chelsea season ticket holders. So I don't think there's going to be a, uh, a massive upheaval. Obviously, it's big news because the background is at war and all that. But um, if they get taken over by another billionaire, um, I, I, th- I think the money will be available for new players uh, the wages will be paid. It's, it, Chelsea is just too big an asset now for anybody to screw it up. It's um, it, you know it's a super club, dare I say? Yeah. Although we might miss out on the uh, familiar uh, and time on now time on a tradition of uh, sacking the manager at the end of each season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, perhaps enormous uh, overhauls, uh, Everton, Des going to be playing Manchester United. This is probably the most important match of this this weekend. I would put it above the Man City-Liverpool because you've got a relegation-challenged uh, Everton and a Man United that desperately wants the fourth spot. And I was talking about contracts just now. Uh, if Everton were to get um, relegated, do, do you think that uh, relegation has been factored into their contracts? Not many, or not many contracts, no, because it wasn't even on the agenda. They, they've been able to have the likes of Carlo Ancelotti and Rafa Benitez as, as their coaches. Now they're, 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 they've rather ended up somehow with Frank Lampard. But I tell you what, that 3-2 defeat against Burnley, uh, which could have been a 3-2 win, that changes everything. They're running after Man United. They've got Leicester, then they've got Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, and Leicester again. It is a it is a tough tough running, and the way they capitulated so late on, you know, the way the heads were slumped, uh, the 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 feeling around the the, the the stadium now is that there was no real fight uh, going on. Um, I remember uh, uh, Tulin at the start of um, uh, this this season saying Everton needed two uh, dogged centre halves, and they still need two rugged centre halves. 
Um, oh, gosh, they are in deep, deep trouble. And I don't see a way out. I don't see Richarlison leading the way. I don't see anyone in midfield. Decore isn't the player I anticipated him to be. They still concede goals, um, ridiculous goals. To concede five minutes from time, a Burnley who haven't scored since 1873 and then <laughs> scored three times in a single match. Gosh, that was... Um, Oh, they, they, these are really dire times, Revan. They haven't been relegated since 1954. That's the last time they're in the in the bottom uh, bottom rung. Oh, Burnley have got Watford this week. I, I'm sorry, I've got to jump in here because you know I've I've not been a big fan of Frank Lampard, and he's been I have no idea why he got the Chelsea job um, purely because your name is Frank Lampard technically, and you know it goes to show that you know Everton deserve it for hiring uh, Frank Lampard. He's been riding. I don't really see what he's done in his uh, in his career as a manager for him to get this job again. All the big high-profile jobs that Frank Lampard has got, he's going to relegate Everton. That Burnley game was a six-pointer, and like they say, the way they lost that game is going to be is telling. I've heard uh, stories now of players, you know, uh, stro- having a strop and all that, and then there was some what uh, argument after the game or something like that. I'm not sure whether that's confirmed. But if you look at Frank Lampard, look at a manager like Patrick Vieira, what he's doing it uh, quietly under the radar at Crystal Palace. Don't you think that a player, player, a manager like Patrick Vieira should be even more uh, celebrated in the media circles other than a player, uh, manager like Frank Lampard? This is a question I asked Bob and Des. Yeah, but uh, this is his first real success, you know, Vieira. I mean, he took charge of uh, Man City youth and um, New York City and uh, Nice. And he didn't really have any success at any of them. And I thought Crystal Palace took a bit of a gamble on him uh, the, uh, the start of the season. Yeah, we yeah, all were but he's, he's I agree, he's done brilliantly. He has. And so their faith was rewarded. But I don't think his record was really a heck of a lot better than Frank Lampard's pre-Everton record. I mean, Frank Lampard took Derby to the playoffs. That was his first job in management. I mean, taking Derby to the playoffs, I mean, that's, uh, you know, not to be sneezed at. And uh, then he took over Chelsea in transition when they didn't um, spend any money on players. Remember, they um, they had this uh, embargo on transfers and he blooded quite a few of the young stars, you know, people like... Um, uh, Mason Mount, um, Hudson Adoy, that generation. So I don't think that uh, Frank Lampard's record was really much worse than uh, Vieira's. I don't, I don't think there's much to choose between them, to be honest. Sounds like it's great for the England job then. <laughs> <laughs> but for Everton, though, I think it, it's not about who the coach is because they've gone down the uh, the the the, um, the project. They had uh, Marco Silva, don't forget, and um, then they've gone to the likes of Carlo Ancelotti and Rafa Benitez. If Benitez couldn't, couldn't sort out that Everton side, remember they had a great start. If Benitez couldn't sort out that side, Frank Lampard doesn't have a, a hope in hell. But gosh, they're in so much trouble now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm from Merseyside, but I don't want them to go down. But I fear they're going. Very briefly then, as you say, you fear, but do you think they will? Yes. You look at the games that they've got. Um, they've, uh, they're, they're dropping like a stone, um, particularly if Burnley can, can win at Watford, I think it is, this, this uh, weekend. Then Burnley go above them in the league and suddenly Everton are in that relegation zone, losing game after game after game, tough games coming up. Mm. Um, it's, it's so serious. We've not even mentioned the fact it's Manchester United. So the pressure's yeah. off Manchester United on this particular game. 
um, which is which is uh, it just tells you how serious the problem is for Everton. Yeah, we we, we should touch on Manchester United. So uh, when we come back, I think we'll talk about them briefly here on on the ball BFM eighty nine point nine. It is a fine goal. Fine header, fine goal. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back in part four of On the Ball here on BFM. And we need to carry over what we were talking about just now. Everton versus Man United. We didn't even mention Manchester United. And we should mention Manchester United. Uh, Gogolin, they're gunning for top four uh, for a club like Manchester United and the fan base. Really, it's the only acceptable, possibly acceptable outcome they need to win this match. Can they? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like we alluded to, since we didn't even bring up United, it's Everton are dropping like a stone. And they are, especially after the Burnley six-pointer, they are, their confidence has dropped to levels. And this is a game that United should be relishing with taking on. But, you know, United being United, they it was probably end up in a draw. I was just speaking to Brian Martin, who's a big, you know, high diehard United fan uh, last night, and he was saying, you know, the, the project they, they are in where Liverpool were a few, a couple of, not even a couple of, about ten years ago. It's all a cycle, and you know, they didn't plan for it because they thought they didn't plan the post uh, Fergie era well. Too much of a uh, commercial interest have now overtaken interest on the pitch. It's evident in the sale. Uh, certain players being bought and all that. This is what he was saying. So there is going to be a good uh, rebuilding process. He he thinks Eric Ten Hag is the player that uh, manager to be chosen for this rebuilding process. We will wait and see. But if you're asking me about the match purely, United should walk this, but it will be it'll end up in a draw. Yeah, probably. Bob, um, Manchester United won last time. Ten Hag. Ten Hag would require getting rid of absolutely everybody in order to get the players who are Ten Hag players. And there's, who is there? There's who, I don't think they have anybody who's a Ten Hag player. Um, I, what about Patrick Vieira for Manchester United? I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> Some things just won't happen. That's one of them. Um, Ten Hag, yeah, I think um, far from ideal. And I, I wonder why Pochettino is not being considered. I mean, he seemed to be the uh, everybody's uh, favourite. He almost had the job, didn't he, a year or two ago. I, I just wonder what's happened to um, dissuade Manchester United from getting him. I think he's more popular in the dressing room. I've heard that there are players there that are not sure about Ten Hag and uh, they prefer uh, Pochettino. I mean, Pochettino has handed a, a something of a hospital pass with PSG. Let's face it. I mean, who can sort out PSG? Very nice um, hospital pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, very lucrative hospital pass. But, uh, I mean, there are problems there. And I don't think that he should be judged because he's not being able to get the best out of uh, those those players, uh, stellar names though they are. I mean, his record is pretty good at uh, Southampton and uh, Spurs. So, I, I mean, personally, I would go for Pochettino every time over Ten Hag. Ten Hag went for the Spurs job, you know. He was interviewed. And you know what they said about him? And I've heard this on very good authority. They thought he was a weirdo. <laughs> Perfect for Manchester United. Perfect. <laughs> what well, they, they use the actual word weirdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So that came out of the uh, Spurs hierarchy. So they didn't. They didn't give him the job. Um, I mean, so I, I don't know. He, um, you know, he's he's done it there. He's done it at uh, Ajax. I don't know that he's done anything before. 
um, one one obviously he's done he's done a great job there, but whether that's enough to take on the uh, monolithic commercial enterprise that is Manchester United. And you have to say that. You have to emphasize the commercial side because that's the priority. Yeah. Under, yeah. The, under this uh, regime, the Glazers, and, you know, the fans, there was a survey of fans, uh, owner popularity recently. And uh, even the, the lousy owners got, you know, most of the lousy owners got about 20%. You know, the Glazers got 4%. <laughs> So this, it's very clear what United fans think of this regime. Mm. And uh, just picking out these managers, oh, we'll have him, we'll have him. Where's the plan? Where, where is the long-term plan? They're even talking about another director of football to assist Ten Hag and the current director of football. And then there's people like Mike Phelan and uh, Darren Fletcher kicking around. And I mean, really, I think they need to sort out the back room first. Yeah. Or they just get uh, Jose Barinho. Nope. Sorry. Um, Van Hal. No, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sam uh, Allardyce. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan of Ancelotti. I mean, he's pretty happy where he is, but I think. But, but he sold out Everton. No, that's, he did. That's, that's the he negative did. on Ancelotti. Yeah, yeah. He sold out Everton. He, he, was, he was coach until a month before the season started. Yeah, well, well, to be fair, if you're going to sell out Everton for Real Madrid, it's... yeah, so selling out's okay then, uh, because it's not there's okay. enough money. Yeah, well, they should have known it when they went for Ancelotti. When a big name like Ancelotti going to Everton, yeah, was it? Who was it? Um, was it Adeboyo? Was it Adeboyo? Said when he when he was being approached by one of the big clubs, he said, "You know, of course I'm flattered. It's like when you know Beyonce is trying to get in touch with you, <laughs> and uh, you know, Real Madrid's the Beyonce of." Uh, Still don't make it right. Anyway, I, I don't. I don't say it's right, but you know, you're going to sell out somebody. It better be for Real Madrid. <laughs> um, so very quickly, we'll go through the last ones. Then, Des, uh, very quickly, I'm going to give you a relegation battle again. Norwich v Burnley. So Burnley on a, Burnley on a roll at the moment. Um, perfect opportunity. They, they'd gone through a, um, a spell where they hadn't been able to score goals. Now they've got that win over Everton. Next up is Norwich. Great opportunity for them to get out of the relegation zone, uh, build on the momentum. Uh, what I like um, about Sean Dyche now is he's trying to actually go and win games of football. Ten minutes from time against Everton, he's going to try to win the game of football because he's got to. My complaints about Burnley have been they've been negative and boring and stilted uh, and not, not progressive in, in trying to win games. Now they've got to win games and they're much more fun to watch. Um, so uh, Burnley to be able to uh, outpower Norwich, who will try to play football. Um, if Burnley lose this one, oh gosh, the whole equation changes once again. But Burnley to take this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bob, uh, kind of relegation with Leeds, Watford, Leeds? Uh, I think Leeds are, are probably safe. They will be if uh, if they win this. And I think Watford are down. Uh, they've got a little bit of life in them, but uh, pretty much down. I think there's only one place. I think it's between uh, Burnley and Everton now. So, uh, yeah, that game uh, in midweek really did uh, change things around. You would have said Everton would stay up before that uh, game. And certainly when they went 2-0 up, you would have said Everton. But uh, a very different uh, situation now. 
So these games, I mean, a lot of these teams have got to play each other, um, you know, before the end of the season. So that could have a bearing. But by uh, what Everton play Watford on the last day of the season uh, at Watford. Now, um, Watford would probably be down then. And Everton may be going there needing a win. I think that gives Everton a glimmer of hope. And they have five of their nine games at home. So also, I think there's a slight um, advantage there for Everton. So I, I wouldn't write Everton off totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goglin, finally, uh, a match which I don't really know what people are playing for in this one. Brentford versus West Ham. Do people have things to prove? Brentford, Brentford is safe. Oh, are Brentford safe, though? I, I'm not really sure, though. You know, again, like what Des was saying the other time, a couple of games go uh, the wrong way. A six-pointer here, a six-pointer there. You're back, right back in it. But West Ham should be playing for at least, though. I mean, the Europa Cup, they are going great guns at the moment. They're a good shot. Again, uh, I think they're just a few points off. Did they have a game in hand? I'm having to look at the table recently. But... West Ham, no. Don't have a game in hand. West Ham have everything to play for, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this game is definitely not something about the on the beach for Brentford. Need to put the points on to not be sucked into a relegation battle because, again, a couple of matches go your way or go the wrong way on the other side, and you dropped a couple of points, you're right back in it. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, that's your Premier League roundup, and now Des, I want you to tell us if you can what's been happening in the Malaysian game. Uh, Johor Darutaksim, uh, they've been beaten. Are they going to lose? Are they? Uh... No, Johor won three 0 at Kuala Lumpur in midweek. Uh, atop the table, played three, won three, scored ten, conceded noughts. They've got um, a guy called Forestieri who's burning up the burning up the um, the league alongside Bergson uh, and Arif Ayman, a young winger who's. Um, uh, taunting fullbacks up and down the country. They look very good. Kedda hanging in there as well. They played 3-1-3. They got a victory uh, in midweek against Pahang. The surprise team, Pataling Jaya City, PJ City, um, had ridden them off at the start of the season. They're, they're one of the, the few players, a few teams, or the only team, who don't have imports, and yet they're third. They've won two out of their three games. They had a terrific 3-0 win over Tringano. Uh, Darren Locke scored a hat-trick. A staff hat-trick. Yeah, per- perfect hat-trick. So um, really, really good um, start for them. As for the rest, Selangor, they concede goals. They um, let slip a two-goal lead, although they were down to 10 men for the best part of 70 minutes in a draw against Negri Sembalam. So the, the league is just taking shape. There's matches this weekend. Um, and then next week, Johor are involved in AFC Champions League um, group. So they, they're... Um, they're in AFC Champions League group against the Kawasaki Frontale, the Japanese champions, Ulsan Hyundai, the 2020 AFC champions, and Guangzhou, uh, formerly Evergrande until the collapse. Um, and Guangzhou are going to be sending a, a very, very young squad. But there's a, um, six matches being played in Johor, all of those group games being played in Johor. So that's something to look forward to. But this weekend, uh, Johor played Trunganu who um, are winless after one game of the season. So that's probably the top game um, this weekend, uh, Johor versus Tringana. And with that Malaysia football roundup, we come to the end of this week's show. And uh, it only reminds me now to thank um, Bob Holmes. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy the football, everybody. Should be a great weekend. And Gogolin? Yep. Going to be enjoying definitely the weekend's football. And Des, I hope you can uh, cope with the emotional trauma and panic that this weekend will be, undoubtedly. I am terrified, which is half the fun of being a football fan.
Oh yeah, what's the other half? <laughs> the pits of despair and the joy of the elation. It's the anticipation and, and your heart in, heart in your mouth for the games of the teams that you support. It, it's such an incredible sport, football. The emotions it brings. And um, be it local football or, or, or Liverpool, Manchester City, well, we're very lucky to be talking about it. Yeah, true, true words. And so uh, thank you very much, everyone. And please join us on uh, Monday. But for now, it's On The Ball. BFM 89.9. He cannot win the title without an outstanding goalkeeper, and he's been absolutely brilliant. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.